This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G Science Fiction, Fantasy and Historical Radio for episode number 1187 entitled Cargo Cult Ritual. Our podcast title is Cargo Pod. I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And here we are in June already. Mm, I know. That's frightening. I always wondered, you know, speaking of June, I always (laughs) wondered about the spice melange which apparently um, is the French word for variety. So June is actually like a pun. Variety is the spice of life. (laughs) But I always wondered, um, you added it to your food and that's why you got the blue eyes when you were on Arrakis because it was everywhere. And and I wondered, I want to see a cookbook. (laughs) Is there like, you know, 101 ways to cook a sand trout? Oh, yeah. Or is it just you go with your heart and it works out okay? (laughs) Well, uh, something else I noticed from last week, we were doing um, Solo, with, mm. uh, directed by Ron Howard, and we also talked about the actor Clint Walker, who passed away, uh, and he was the title character in a Western television series called Cheyenne, and Ron Howard, the director, was a, a child actor, oh. and he played a character called Timmy in a 1960s episode of the show Cheyenne. There you go. It's a pity I didn't have that segue at my <laughs> last week. but uh, Actually, I think I did, but I just didn't mention it. All right. Today, we are looking at a couple of uh, netty, flicky, flicksy sci- um, science fiction. Well, one's a science fiction. Uh, uh, horror movies, basically. Mm-hmm. Cargo and The Ritual. <gasps> oh, yeah. Yeah. I watched the trailer for that. Oh. I quite like that man who's in it, whose name is... The man. <laughs> uh, it'll come to me later when you well, read out yeah, the cast. exactly. And um, also, uh, I guess it's a bit Netflix today, uh, although Cargo is actually on uh, limited release here in Australia at the moment, so it's yes. not on Australian Netflix. But you can see it at the Nova. Yes. And also, I think, in the, um, the sun in Yarraville. No, I looked. Oh, no, you looked? Oh, no. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, also, uh, the latest and final, oh, my God, season of uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt has dropped partly. Um, there's a story to that, too. And we may have a look at the Iron Man issue for number 600. Mm. 600. Goodness. At last. All right. So, uh, Cargo. It's um, a film that was uh, finished last year. It's written by Yolanda Rumpke and directed by her and Ben Howling. Now, this is a movie that's an Australian post-apocalyptic thriller uh, and it's a damn good one, I thought. It, um, you may have seen the, uh, the shorts for it running around and indeed it's actually an expansion of a short movie right. that they did, okay. a very short, hyper short one. Uh, and I had actually saw, saw that back in, um, oh, my God, about 2016 or something like that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and thought that would make an interesting idea for an expanded movie. It's not to be mistaken for the 2009 space science fiction movie called Cargo or indeed the 2017 animated movie called Cargo, which is about automobiles oh dear. Uh, or any other movie that's got Cargo in the title. 
Uh, okay, so the directors, uh, well, uh, both Ben Howling and Yolanda Rumka are known for their uh, doing some short movies and mm-hmm. stuff. But um, Ben Howling is, was a second uh, unit director on Cold Hearts, I think, and also a trainee director on Jungle, which is the Greg McLean one with, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Daniel Radcliffe. And Yolanda Ramka is, um, well, she's got a whole lot of credits like costume department, art department for Pack to the Rafters, uh, producer, director, actress, and Ben also has got credits for being a cinematographer and writer. So these are your, your typical Aussie <laughs> <laughs> all-rounders, really. Yeah. And um, so, uh, you know, there's about four years between the mm. doing the short, um, which actually came out in 2013 and now, and it was quite an internet hit too. Not sure if it's actually still on YouTube. You, it might not be because of the uh, the feature. But let it us be. look. Let, let us find out. Uh, anyway, this is um, Australia's first Netflix original feature film. I put in cargo short. Yeah. So it has shown me a variety of cargo, cargo shorts. shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm meant to be good at the internet. Sorry, continue, yeah. <laughs> Cyber Scooby, well done. <laughs> okay, so. Um, also with the, the, the film being uh, Australia's first Netflix original feature, um, there's a little bit of thing uh, prestige attached to that. It's, it's filmed in South Australia. It's got a bunch of different mm. organisations funding it. And it's basically a, a post-apocalyptic zombie movie. Let's not let, let's go we're there right up front. It stars Martin Freeman as a character called Andy. Uh, and Martin's got a lot of chops when it comes to genre productions. He was Declan in Shaun of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been in all the, you know those right movies, uh, Hot Fuzz, The World's End. Uh, he was in The Hobbit, the Fargo television series. Mm. He's in the Marvel Cinematic yes. Universe. He's I Watson. Right. Watson to um, Benny Batch's Sherlock, uh, Arthur Dent in The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. His, his actual time has come, really, when you think about it. <laughs> and he came over to Australia to do this relatively low-budget Australian horror movie. Yeah. Uh, he, the cast is filled out by a small number of people, some um, Australian actors who you'll have seen before, Anthony Hayes, who was in The Rover, and shows like uh, Ocean Girl and Farscape. Um, you've got uh, Karen Bistorius, uh, David Gulpilil makes a, a oh, appearance. Oh, great. Yeah. And he actually has quite a few um, genre credits too from mm. going right, way back to The Last Wave uh, to a brief, very brief appearance in The Right Stuff uh, until the end of the world, the Vim Vendors movie. Oh, nice. Uh, Beastmaster, the, uh, the television series. So he's had a few things there. He plays a... Uh, a clever man in this, hearkening <laughs> back to that television series that we enjoyed so much. Um, and there's another, uh, a, fair, a few other actors in there who are all sort of veteran Australian actors. Uh, Simone Landers, though, is a newcomer and she plays a, uh, a young Indigenous girl called Thumi and she's actually really good in this. Nice. Uh, I can't say too much about the performance of uh, Natasha Wanganin, who's... Um, playing a, a one-year-old character called Rosie. <laughs> the baby, yes. The baby, yes. Uh, and, you know, you know, like in 20 years' time, she'll show up at conventions and stuff. And <laughs> yeah. like, I was Rosie in this. this. Uh, uh, you know, I don't remember a thing about it. <laughs> uh, all right, so the, the, um, the premise of this is quite simple. There's 
Andy and his wife are escaping from a, a zombie apocalypse in Australia uh, and Andy gets bitten, mm. basically. Uh, so they have, because there's a, uh, a time, more or less a time limit on uh, how long it takes for you to turn. I was looking up the information on the film and I thought that's a really interesting premise. It is, isn't it? Um, because in some ways you sort of prefer it happens immediately. Yeah. Because it's easier for you and people around you. It's just like, oh, I've got no choice but to bash your head in or yeah. shoot you or whatever. And you, you don't have time to think to, about what's happening. Yes, to consider the full horror of it. Mm. But in this case, he has a couple of days. Gosh. To, <laughs> if, if, if things yeah. work out. Because it can vary yeah. depending on the extent of the injuries and so on. Uh, like, for example, if the zombie took your throat out, you'd die immediately and then come back pretty much very soon. Mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm. you know, it depends on the extent of the injury. I like that. That's kind of a nice setup. So the story itself, basically they've got to uh, find um, some other group of people who can take care of their baby. Mm. You know, yeah, I can see (laughs) the face you've made. I've got to say, um, this movie actually made me cry. Mm. I never cry during zombie movies unless it's tears of laughter with some of the, the more comic ones. And you've seen your I've seen fair, a share. fair share. I've shambled through a great deal of them. Uh, and so the tone of this reminds me more of um, the recent movie Maggie mm-hmm. with Arnold Schwarzenegger, that, that zombie one. Or indeed uh, one I reviewed on the show a while back, The Girl with All the Gifts. So... I think they've done a really great job here. Landscape also mm. as a character too, as is often the way in Australian movies set in the outback. I mean, this is the thing. I think if that ever did happen, the rest of the world would probably just leave us because we're an island. they probably just leave us to be overrun by zombies and that would be that. And, and you mean they'd refuse entry to our refugee ships? Yeah, well, no doubt. We'd deserve that, wouldn't we? But I mean, that's—I think that's probably what would happen yeah. if I—if I was in Europe and that happened, you'd be like, "Oh, just just leave them." Yeah, just isolate them. Yeah, and put your fleets that, around there. That's and, what you're meant to do, isn't it? Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, anyway, the, because it, this is not a large-scale movie, they mm. focus in upon the drama affecting the one family yep. and a few other people. There are some very interesting meta-themes that run through this movie that are uh, torn from present-day headlines, basically. Any vague... Well, what? it's set in the outback. Yeah, okay. You know, so there are some interesting concepts that they throw at us and I thought they were all well-played. Mm. Um If I had to say the cutting edge of Australian science fiction in movies, this would be one of them. Okay. Uh, And we talked about a novel called Terra Nullius, Mm. which I have a lot of time for. Um, That would be the novel equivalent. So this is a a movie that's some serious stuff going on in it. Um, Do they manage to pull it off? Well, it's... it's, um, Another movie I might mention, a zombie movie, is Train to Busan. Oh, yeah, the, the Korean, Korean film. One. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the same sort of context. And, and I think they managed to do this movie more than more than well enough to convince me that it was a, 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 a not a viable world by, by any means, mm-hmm, but it was, mm-hmm. um, it was, it was effectively realised. Um, the story arc, I thought, was, was well played. Um, I just thought this is a great movie to watch as a, as a horror fan or a zombie yeah. fan. The prosthetics are well done for the virals, as they call them. Um, 
Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. I love the procedural. And yeah. this and this is a, a very procedural heavy movie, but also character driven quite literally actually. Okay. So yeah, I give this a uh, yeah, <laughs> zero G rating. Okay. Uh, and recommend it to you. You can see it in limited release mm. in some Australian cinemas at the moment. Uh, it is on um, overseas Netflix Surely and will eventually will, come yeah. here as well. And uh, I will say that the short is on Netflix. Oh, good. I mean, Netflix. YouTube. YouTube. Yes. And I will link that in the episode. How long does the short actually run for? Seven minutes. Seven minutes. So yeah, it was okay. a Tropfest finalist, uh, so it's still up. Ah, that's why I remember it. Yeah, yeah, so it's still up on as a YouTube video, so you Good can honor. hunt that down. You can also Google it. Just don't use the Google search term cargo short. <laughs> no. So well done, guys. I think uh, Australian cinema needs good genre content and this is one of the best i've seen for a while that's great hmm broadcast mode this is Crichton, the service android aboard the starship zero g on three triple r fm sos sos mayday help i am being held captive by rogue makeup artists who want to cover my face in plaster and latex rubber panic mode get me the hell out of here Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt Season 4 Part 1 has dropped on Netflix. And if you have never seen any of this, you'll be totally baffled. (laughs) (laughs) It uh, follows the adventures of 29-year-old Kimmy Schmidt. She's trying to adjust to life in New York City. Gee, this sounds like just every other show, doesn't it? Uh, Originally, I think one of the ideas was that she was going to wake up out of a coma. But they decided it would be much more hilarious if she was actually rescued from uh, a doomsday cult in Indiana. She and three other women were held by the Reverend Richard Wayne Gary Wayne, played by John Hamm, for 15 years underground in a bunker. They become immediate sensations as the mole women... Mm-hmm. and thereby has hung the tail for the last um, three seasons and now into the fourth one. She's trying to make something of a life at the moment and she is <laughs> basically become the HR coordinator for an internet startup company. Cue many nerd jokes. And the thing that I felt the most about these initial episodes and there's not many actually we've got about uh one two three five six six episodes that have that have come down the pipe Mm -hmm. um the main thing about this season is a razor sharp satire about the backlash against the me too Mm -hmm. phenomenon so you have to watch this and realize that they're having a go at the backlash and it's quite savage all the way through. In fact, it starts out with Kimmy having a sexual harassment claim filed against her for assorted reasons. But even further than that, they've got an entire episode with John Hamm's character about him in prison now. And he's sought out by a dim-witted DJ, <laughs> DJ Finger Blast, and... Finger Blast wants John Hamm's character to <laughs> DJ at his wedding because he, John Hamm's character used to be a DJ called DJ Slizzard. Of course he did. <laughs> of course he did. Um, 
There's some uh, issues in, in that are folded into that with one of the guest stars, Bobby Moynihan, who's the um, in charge of the the Innocence Project, which is supposed to be able to uh, prove that bros who've been placed on charges of sexual harassment are actually innocent. So you can see where this is all sure. going. And it's, oh, it's actually hideous watching it. It makes my toes curl. <laughs> but, it's, but it's still hilarious because of, well, I'm afraid guy, blokes, we're just idiots. These particular blokes are, are you know, they're dumber than dirt. <sighs> but anyway, it makes for some, for some great television. And I, I figured that the episode with... Um, that features John Hamm is probably one of the most incredible satires I've ever seen on television in a sitcom. I'm sure there's a, an Emmy Award for that. <laughs> um, of course, we've also got uh, Titus. Uh, the it's hard to describe Titus. He has to be seen to be believed. He's a a budding. He's a, he's an actor without a career, but with a career at the same time. He's not only gets to direct and star in a school musical this series, but he also gets a shot at, at pitching a superhero television show concept to a network. <laughs> <laughs> He's done no work on it whatsoever, uh, which, of course, suits Jacqueline, his agent, and less so Lillian, Kimmy's, um, Kimmy's landlady. Uh, that They end up trying to scalp tickets for mm. the production of the musical. Um because they figure they've got a captive audience of parents. Yeah, right. So they want to charge them $100 a ticket to go to their, their kid's school play. And, of course, that doesn't fly. <laughs> you know, so another episode in this, which is really, really odd, and it's a very strange show, this. Uh, we get to meet Kimmy's lost backpack. <laughs> they go to some incredibly dark places there. <laughs> It's an animated... It's actually got all the, the puppet backpack and everything. Oh, my God. Um, there are some many celebrity uh, guest stars in this one, um, mostly comedians and so on. Busy Phillips, uh, A.D. Bryant, Greg Kinnear and Bobby Moynihan. Uh, and I swear to God, this is not... Tr- actually, let's go back there. I swear to Stan Lee mm. that there is a crossover with the MCU in this. Okay. <laughs> At the end of this... Uh, and I'm just watching it and I'm thinking, you could really look at this as, no, let's, I don't know, but I'm not going to spoil it for you. That's, I'll just say that at the very end of the, uh, the last episode of this bracket of the season. Um, unfortunately, Kimmy Schmidt's mm. been cancelled. Yeah. Uh, we will get um, uh, seven episodes in part two, which we think is coming out next January. Wow. It's got to wait. And there may also be, because they're in talks about this, may also be a telly movie. Ah. So, you know, there'll be a chance to wrap it all up in some weird fashion. Um, I think Tina Fey and everybody else who's worked on this show have done a great job with it. It's fast talking and one of those shows where you actually have to go back and say, did they actually say that (laughs) And, and unpack it? Um, so to me, this kind of felt like a bit of an inheritor to 30 Rock. Cool. So I love it, you know. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, new episodes now on Netflix. And good on um, Ellie Kemper, Titus Burgess, Jane Krakowski and Carol Kane amongst all of the other magnificent cast of this show. 
Anytime is a good time to subscribe to Triple R. Not only are subscribers filled with the warm and fuzzies by being a part of the Triple R family and keeping the station on air, there are a bunch of great benefits available too. Subscribers can flash their card all over Melbourne to receive hundreds of discounts on movie tickets, music and music gear, bikes and bike repairs, art supplies, home personal and professional services, pets, vets and health, food and drink and a whole lot more. For the full list of subscriber discounts and more information on subscribing, head to rrr.org.au. Hi, I'm Andrea Thompson and I play Talia Winters, resident commercial telepath on Babylon 5. You're listening to Zero G on 3 Triple R, and I know what you're thinking. Right, now, just unfolding the latest mammoth issue of the Invincible Iron Man comic. And as you all know, if you are surviving listeners to Zero G, I've been a fan of Iron Man since the 1960s. And we've been talking about the comics and the movies and the books and the action figures and so on for (laughs) a while. Now that Marvel has gone back to its old numbering system, this is number 600, so that's a big deal. Uh, It's got one of those ones where you can buy about 50 different variant covers. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this one I I liked because it just has this nice wraparound cover with uh, Tony Stark working on an anvil, beating out the assorted armours that he's known for. And, a, and a, 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 it's a nice perspective shot of all the suits coming in from there, plus all of the other characters as well. Now, this particular issue is also significant because it's the last Marvel comic being done by Brian Michael Bendis, the writer, who's been with Marvel a very long time now and is now doing DC. What? He's jumping ship to go to DC, yeah. Um and basically because he said he'd seen a Superman exhibition and he realised that he hadn't climbed the DC mountain and as a comic book star, you know, he decided that's what he was going to do next. Uh, kind of reminds me, not perhaps the circumstances, but of Jack Kirby going from sure. Marvel to DC. Uh, all right, now, the pencillers for this are varied. There's Daniel Acuna, Stefano Caselli, David Marquez with the... Cover artist being Chris Sprouse. Now, there's a reason for that. There are also a lot of other people involved in it as well because they're trying to do a lot in a... Stephen, though it is still a fairly thick issue, uh, it um, has a lot of artwork in it that calls back to previous issues, so they're being a bit nostalgic for the last issue. There's so <laughs> much going on in here. Uh, as, you, as you know, Tony Stark has been kind of dead ever since... Um, Captain Marvel punched through his chest plate in the uh, in the Civil War Two story. Um, I don't hold that against Carol. That's fine. Uh, but Tony's back now. He's back with a difference. He's bald. Ah. He's got no beard or signature Stark stash. Interesting. There's no mustache. Just. No facial, no facial or head or hair. hair at all. No, it's all gone. That's strange. It's very strange. Um, he's also bringing back James Rhodes, who was killed by oh. Thanos. Not in the in. Sorry, killed by Thanos in one of the Marvel comics. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, it was a whole other similar chest plate punching deal too. There. Um, so Tony now has the power to resurrect people. Oh, great. Yeah, I can see that really being useful. There's dead, then there's Marvel dead. And not in a zombie way either, which actually is a concern for a while. 
Uh, we've also dealing with the ongoing exploration of um, the relationship between Tony and his mother, mm-hmm. the rock star, and his biological father, the Hydra agent. Mm-hmm. I bet Steve Rogers gives him some stick over that. Not that actually Captain Hydra can say anything. Uh, we also get into the more of the story of Pepper Potts as rescue. Right. And Riri Williams, who's been standing in for Tony as Ironheart. Mm-hmm. And Doctor Doom, who's also been standing in for Tony using one of Stark's old suits. Uh, as well as the further ongoing story of Tony Stark's artificial intelligence, which he charged with looking after his mind while he was dead. Right. <laughs> and, of course, it has Tony's own personality, so <laughs> it's, a, it's fairly egotistical. How much room is there in this universe? And also Leonardo da Vinci shows up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, why not? Which, which, which a resurrected Stark just says... Okay. It's got to go with this. Yeah. There's a great uh, battle in here with the Iron Legion, which is to say all of the different armours, all the suits that Stark's made over the years. Uh, the artwork is gritty, moody. It varies as they go along mm. because different people are working on it. Panel busting armoured goodness for the entire issue. And there are some just great double-page spreads here with oh, the nice. big battle. Yeah, I opened to that. It, they look pretty cool. Yeah, the big battle. You've got to see all that. Uh, it's a pretty good issue to go out on for Bendis, I think, and mm-hmm. sets things up for future ongoing goodness. And even a strange appearance by the Sorceress Su- Supreme, which is not okay. his, not Tony's awesome facial hair bro, Doctor Strange, but Doctor Anthony Stark. So where are they going to go with that? So there's lots of, and there's a nice little uh, photo spread at the end there of. Um, um, Brian Michael Bendis's party, going away party Aww, at uh, Marvel. That's a bit nice. Including a sign, that, uh, a montage saying characters that Brian Bendis has killed. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So next, next um, we'll be going up with Tony Stark Iron Man number one because they'll reboot the mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. with Dan Slott, Valerio, Shitty, Ega, Delgado, and that's. Um, Coming out relatively soon. Cool. Tony Stark is back with new sets of armour and a mountain of brilliant ideas. Mm. And, of course, he's rejoined the Avengers as well as we are speaking about in a previous show. Right. And at the moment, the Punisher who's in charge of... Oh, now, that's interesting. Rhodey's going to want his suit back maybe. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not because the Punisher's really wrecked the War Machine armour. So maybe fresh suit? Maybe a fresh suit, I think. Anyway, that's in the the, uh, the Punisher at the moment. He's running around with um, the War Machine armour. And nobody's particularly happy about it anymore, <laughs> particularly uh, Carol Danvers, who was uh, Rhodey's boyfriend for a while. All right, now I've got another Netflix movie here that I saw called The Ritual. Yes, so Netflix promoted this to me and so I watched the trailer and I was intrigued, so I'm very interested to hear. Mm, I'll try not to give too much away. It's a British horror film directed by David Bruckner, written by Joe Barton. It is actually based on a a novel Mm -hmm. from 2011 by Adam Neville. Now, it uh, stars Rafe Spall. Yes, who I like. I've really come around to like him, Hmm. even though he usually plays a total cad. (laughs) Now... I don't think that's actually too far wrong in this one. <laughs> David Bruckner is actually an American film director and he co-wrote and co-directed The Signal in 2007 and also the uh, the Amateur Night um, segment of the horror anthology VHS. 
So this one here is um, a fairly basic setup. Got five friends from uni. Mm-hmm. Uh, they meet up uh, for drinks at a pub, and they're planning a, a group trip because they often do this, you know. And they've got the usual sort of go off to Spain or mm. Amsterdam. Ugh, Europeans, trips. eh? Yeah. Uh, this time, one of them suggests that they go for a hike in Sweden, mm. um, which is kind of not really well received. And then things all go horribly wrong. Excellent. There's an incident and one of them is killed. Which is in the trailer, so this is not giving anything away. Six months later, they decide to continue with the trip, but now it's a memorial. Mm. So they go off to Sweden to do a hiking trip along the Kungsleden or the King's Trail in, (laughs) it's very Vulcan, in Sarek National Park in northern Sweden. Now... One of the uh, characters ends up um, injuring himself during this hike and it's through the most magnificent countryside, as mm. with Cargo, the landscape. It's like it's, another character. It is indeed. Uh, both the, um, the more, more majestic uh, unforested parts of it mm-hmm. and the darker primeval mm. woods. One of the characters injures himself, which means that they are inclined to take a shortcut. Oh, no. And as they say, if it was a real shortcut, it would actually be the main route to go somewhere. (sighs) Never get out of the boat, never step off the pavement, never go beyond the streetlights. Never take a shortcut that is shorter but involves going through more dense woods or something. Yeah, and these are... You know, very dense woods. You've seen this kind of story before. Yeah. Uh, Think Blair Witch Project, if you wish. Definitely gives off Blair Witch vibes. Uh, And the character, the actors in this, as we're saying, Rafe Spall plays um, one of them who has a bit of a a legacy from the death of that other character we mentioned before, and that is very well played. I thought the the, uh, inter-character relationships in this were very strong to start with. Okay. Very interesting the way they've uh, woven them together and there are some really well-played moments to do with that earlier incident they put into the film. Uh, Lensed extremely well and they're very unsettling. Mm. I felt unsettled all this film. Um, We've seen um, Spall before in uh, Black Mirror and Prometheus and even in Grindhouse. Um, But uh, he also works with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost like some of our earlier people. Um, We've got uh, Asha Ali playing a character called Phil, and I've seen him in a Doctor Who episode called Under the Lake, which is uh, one of the um, uh, ones from 2015. Peter Capaldi and um, Jenna Coleman. Mm -hmm. We've got uh, Robert James Collier, who's a character from... Uh, called Hutch, and he was in Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. Sam Troughton, speaking of Doctor Who, the son of um, David Troughton and the grandson of Doctor Who actor Patrick Troughton. And he was um, uh, much the Miller's son in the 2006 Robin Hood series, in the BBC one. All of these actors come in to play as a hike through the woods, you know that things are going to go fairly pear-shaped for them, and they they do. It's an extremely unsettling horror film, this one. Okay. Um, I always find anything that's set in the woods fairly scary. Mm. It's not an environment I've had a lot to do with, you know, that... that, Yeah, sure. ...that great Australian urban 
bush sort of dichotomy. Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, any time I've actually been in forests and, and the bush, it's always been extremely pleasant. Yeah. And right up until the moment when the monsters come out, <laughs> and the bunyips it, and the yowies. And you said it was unset. Like, is it scary? Yeah. I thought it was scary in, in places. Mm. Um particularly when we get to some revelations because there are there are ways that this movie could go right. and they they tease you a bit about which way being so cryptic I, I have to be because there's not a much not much in the uh, the other parts of this movie mm. that will be particularly unusual so I don't want to go you know. yeah sure but oh there's some nice work done in the production values in this film okay. I thought, and yeah, so it's the ritual. Uh, I, I've seen a few people who think that it doesn't really come off okay. too well, but I, I thought it, it played well. I did have some reservations about the ending, mm. and some uh, you know some doubts about how the procedural was playing out. Sure, but I, I thought they managed to carry it off more more than adequately for to make this a, a fairly scary horror movie mm. uh, and an unsettling one. So it's called The Ritual yep. and it is another one on Netflix. Just occasionally you get a big bunch of them. Right about the start of the month. Yeah, I wonder if it's one of those ones that was planned for Netflix or it's just ended up there because they've not wanted to distribute it I don't know too much about Elsewhere. Because I think that happens a lot now where yeah. something is going to be released and they decide not to, so they just sell well, that, it to well, Netflix. that was the Annihilation sort of mode. Yeah, and the Spectral, which we did on the show as well. Hmm. Um, Survive. It's what we've done today on Zero G. We've survived all sorts of horrific encounters till next week. It's amazing how these smaller movies end up with soundtracks that you can access on iTunes and and so on quite quickly. Yeah. I think it's great, actually. In the old days, it would take like six months before you get the soundtrack album. Or or even weirder, sometimes you get the soundtrack album before the movie came out. Oh, yeah, that's quite common, hey? And it's really... I think I actually did that with Star Wars back in the day. <laughs> and that was that was an interesting thing because the soundtrack is glorious for that. Anyway, here we go with that and that's it for Zero G. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Rob. And Joe Brunetic coming up next with Astral Glamour. This has been a podcast from Free Triple R, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.